Bi Plus, podcasting for the Bi Plus universe. I'm Elizabeth Meacham, here with my co-host, Nick Collins. Today, we welcome poet and author Ennis Rook-Bash to discuss their latest novel, A Scheme of Sorcery. Welcome, Ennis. Hi. Glad, happy to be here. Yeah, we're well, glad to have you here. Yeah. Um, could you provide a short introduction about yourself? Um, you know, sure. you like sharing today? Um, I am a poet slash writer slash game designer slash actor slash I'm probably leaving out something, but who cares? Um, and I am from the East Coast um, and I'm a social work graduate student and I hope to help other queer people with their mental health, both in my writing and through my day job. Cool. A uh, graduate cool. student and all that. Yep. Where do you find the time? <laughs> where, oh, gosh. Where's this energy coming from? <laughs> so you have like 10 novels. Is that right? Um, yeah, but I've been I've been writing since I was in high school. So that's a lot of time. But you're only in grad school. It's not that much time. That's amazing. <laughs> and a poet. Um, game designer. What kind of games do you design? Oh, um, I design tabletop games, um, but I would love to write for video games as well. I'm a big video game person. Oh, what's your favorite? Uh, I play Final Fantasy XIV so much that, you know, I also wonder how I have time to do yeah. all the other things you mentioned. <laughs> I play, um, have you ever heard of Rogue Adventure? I use DOSBox um, to do this. I don't think so, but it's not ASCII cool. that goes through dungeons. It's a dungeon crawler, but it's just all in ASCII. So you get this square. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's it's super old. I picked it up in high school, like 1986. That's how old I am. Wow. Yeah, I used to play that uh, back in the day, too. I remember which one you're talking about. Yeah. That was that, a lot of fun. It was. I So I found out, you know, DOSBox, you could put all these old games on your PC. Wow. I was, I like literally like not to make everybody feel old, but I wasn't even, I wasn't even like alive then. (laughs) She thinks. It's okay. If you're in grad school, that makes sense. Uh, So a scheme of sorcery is your uh, latest novel. Uh, Could you give us a brief description of it? All right. So there are two main characters and they hate each other. Um, Edwin is the only girl in this male-dominated space of squires training to become knights, and she's just found out that she was secretly adopted, so she really wants to reconnect with, like, her birth parents' culture. Um, And Sariva is a lady-in-waiting who's just so tired of outsiders asking about her culture and making assumptions. So when Edwin comes to Sariva with a bunch of questions, it's kind of hate at first sight. Um, They end up getting kicked out of spaces because no one wants to deal with the way they're just constantly, you know, having drama and hating on each other. Um, But then the queen is under a curse from an evil wizard and they have to work together to explore these cursed haunted ruins deep below the city and discover these relics which might be able to save her. And of course this is a romance so they end up realizing, hey, maybe she's not as bad as I thought and they end up falling in love. Yeah, I um I wanted to slap both of them in the beginning of the book. <laughs> oh yeah, just like some of those people in those spaces, like oh come on, you know you like each other. 
get over it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, I feel like a good enemies to lovers romance should always have you wanting to maybe slap some people just a little. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like both behaving like children, but yeah, Mm -hmm. um, that was, I, I think the beginning is just, you know, I, I, you've had those experiences with people where you just get off on the wrong foot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely seen like a lot of drama and dislike and like call out posts and just like hatred that seems absolutely impenetrable to outsiders. And it's like, yeah. you have the same exact politics. Why are you making yeah. a call out post for each other? Yeah. 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 Ugh. Well, and it, it like on one part, it kind of made sense because there's almost like a you know, in the frame of the book, almost like a class issue, because you got, you know, lady in waiting, and then you've got the the squire. And so it's, you know, two different levels. And so it's like they have that barrier too to get through, plus just conflicting personalities and attractions. Yeah, they're definitely really different characters. And I wanted to like, have that experience of people realizing that they're not as different as they originally thought. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was like, they, they, didn't seem all that different underneath, you know, like their jobs are different and the way they present is different, you know, like one's very into night stuff and the other is very into, you know, embroidery and stuff, and, you know, um, some of us are into all that, but, um, you know, but, um, oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, <laughs> I like to do it all. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I, I just, it's like, come on, just get over it already, and, um, I was mm-hmm. kind of surprised that uh, to find that the one character was attracted to people like I. The, why am I blanking on the names? Always I blank on the names. Edwin no, I, was attracted to froofy people, you know, like or what yeah. she would say was for for people. Um, I wanted to play, you know, as a lesbian, I've definitely read a lot about like those classic butch femme dynamics. Yeah. Um, so that was something that I wanted to play with because I feel like it's very classic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. It is. It's very, and then I like how you kind of, um, pull that apart. That that was, yes, that was very much my goal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what, uh, I'm going to ask you what inspired this, but I I really want to know now that I know you're into video games, is that, do you think like maybe playing video games, Final Fantasy a lot, is some of some of the storylines they have in those things in video games, or it can be pretty inspirational. Is that one of your inspirations or? Oh, I would say definitely less video games and more LARP um, because I'm oh, yeah, actually right. like having these experiences, like fighting off ghosts and running into a battle, trying to drag somebody off so I can, he- so I can heal them and like getting hit with an arrow. So it's very much, oh, now that I've had these experiences, obviously I need to go write about them. Yeah, you didn't, I, I forgot that that uh, was in your bio too, that you're a uh, live action role play. Yes, it's, I, um, my college had a live action role playing club. I was like, ooh, why are these people with costumes running around with swords made out of pool noodles? Um, and I oh, was never the same. Yeah. And that's so cool. It is. I, I did some LARPing back in the day, but we were all, it was just an excuse to run around and pretend we're vampires. But it was a lot oh of Oh my fun. God. Um, oh, World no. of Darkness, Vampire the Masquerade. That's the one. Yes. I did <laughs> yeah. that in college. Nice. 
Yeah, I lived in a small town too, so we would just freak out people running around in the park and you yeah. know in different neighborhoods and so. But it was a lot of fun, and I could see how it would be very inspiring because I was mm-hmm. back, you know, I was still trying to establish myself as like what type of writing I wanted to do, yeah. and sometimes acting these different type of scenes out, I could see how that would be very inspiring because I yeah. I tried to use a little bit of that at the time um, myself, but it's just, it was so much fun. Of course, here in New York, it's basically impossible to freak anybody out. Um, I have <laughs> literally like gone down the street in Manhattan dressed like as a full-on broken porcelain doll with like a, elaborate makeup and prosthetics and costuming. Nice. And, the oh, only wow. interaction I've had was when somebody cat called me. Other uh, than that, completely unbothered. Um, so as somebody who like consumes a lot of media and hangs out online watching other people consume media, um, I was very intrigued by the concept of like how different types of women are pitted against each other by fan communities. It's like how if you watched Game of Thrones, um, which was very big when I was drafting yeah. this, yeah, like so many people are just like, oh my God, Sansa, Sansa, however you pronounce her name. She's literally the worst. She's so annoying. She doesn't do anything. And I just really noticed this idea that there's women who embroider and wear pretty dresses and are handmaidens of the patriarchy. And then there's women who break gender roles and use swords and are the protagonists. And I just really wanted to subvert that binary and show that there's no wrong way to be a main character and that anyone can use their talents for good. Yeah, and there's no wrong way to be a woman or a man or non-binary person. Yeah, exactly. Just who you are. Oh my gosh, I love that, yeah. I, I have that issue myself with um, as I'm aging because I, I chose to stay at home with my kids and the one you live in one area and everybody loves it for the wrong reasons <laughs> you know like because they oh. think that's your role and you need to be at home then you come up here and everybody oh. hates it for the wrong reasons and it's like no this is yeah for, this is for you I'm not I'm doing this for my family not for you guys this is what I wanted to do that's just what I chose but yeah, it, I, it's, I really liked that about um, Sariba. It was that, you know, yeah. no, I, I, this is what I want to do. I'm not going to change for anybody. I'm, I'm going to be this person who likes to embroider and take care of people and do finances. This is what I like to do. It just yeah. so happens. And, but I don't, you know, she didn't have to do that if she didn't want to. Um, and, you know, there was, there's just, uh, just more one way more than one way to be a human being. And I really like yes, that. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. what I was going for. And I'm so pleased to hear somebody, you know, picking up on that. Yeah, I loved it. I was Yay! so into that. <laughs> yeah, it's a character I can really sink my teeth into. So how has writing fantasy helped you explore your own gender identity and your own sexuality? Oh, um, well, for starters, I wrote a lot of non-binary characters before realizing I was non-binary. A lot of, you know, wow, this character is so cool. If I were assigned male at birth, I would be like physically and mentally androgynous like them. But, you know, I'm too feminine, so I can't do that. Um, And then, of course, I realized it was bullshit. But by then I'd written like five or six books. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. All right. Um. Yeah, there's like a, this idea I, that you have to be androgynous when you're non-binary. And I, I don't think that's yeah. the case. I mean, there are people who are fluid, but there's also, um, I know people who are uh, very quote unquote feminine looking. 
um, in presenting that are non-binary too. Again, yeah, there's like people no should one way. feel empowered to dress however they want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, human. there's so many ways to just be human, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, again, I don't know if you wanted to talk about this or not, but, uh, and we can edit this out if, if, if you don't want to, but what kind of representation, you have Ehlers-Danlos hypermobility. Ehlers-Danlos. Um, and I can never say it right. Oh, I've, I've had this for your diagnosis for years myself, and I can never say it. Oh. <laughs> um, it's all right. I know doctors generally don't pronounce it correctly. Yeah. Well, and it's, yeah. You, yeah. What kind of representation is out there for people with um, invisible disabilities and uh, especially for queer people with invisible disabilities? Yeah. What, what, if you've ever looked at that. Uh, you know, um, when I've been querying, not this book, but another manuscript I was working on, I actually saw some agents saying on their manuscript wish list on their manuscript wish list page, you know, I don't want books about sick people. It's gross and depressing. Um, I would say that like, I am very heartened when people with disabilities see themselves in my work. Um, But also I would say I try to create stuff like that's aimed at anybody who doesn't fit in. I think fantasy is great for like exploring themes through metaphors so that anybody can relate and be like, hey, you know, this character is having to hide being a bug person and I'm not a bug person, but I really relate to having to hide part of who I am. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I found that interesting, speaking of hiding things, um, the injury, and you talk about that with, uh, uh, at some point, one of the characters get, gets injured. I hate mm-hmm. to give spoilers, but you know what? You guys will live. <laughs> it's, it's a good book. <laughs> Read it anyway. But uh, the character gets um, injured in the foot and they're hiding it. And it would have just been easier to get help for it. And um, that then they go get help and they get the wrong kind of help. And it just felt like that experience of being misdiagnosed and in, in, in real life um, and, you know, getting help and it's the wrong kind of help and actually makes things worse. That kind of thing that a lot of dis- disabled people go into. So when you're saying that you put it in there, I see it in that. That's where I saw it. Oh, no, that's no, a that's really good point. I didn't even think of that. I didn't even think of it like oh. that. You know, I just see things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I definitely related to that. Um, and because uh, it is, it's and not just with the uh, physical illness, but uh, mental illness too. You see, the, it just takes seeing one wrong person, even a dentist. I don't care what kind of oh going on, you know, but one wrong person and, and uh, um, things go downhill fast. And yeah. yeah. And he reminded um, I, me, that character reminded me of a doctor who just knows it all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not all doctors like this, of course, but that kind of doctor who just knows it all and does what he wants. It's his agenda. Oh, yeah. yeah. So anyways, I have definitely had that experience. Yeah. So that's a really good point. Yeah. It, it came out in your work. So <laughs> thank you for bringing lens <laughs> to the book. I yeah. really appreciate it. I did really enjoy the book um, and just the story. I don't like, I don't read a lot of fantasy. Um, I like it. It's just one of those I kind of have to be in the mood for. And this one, um, it was, it was, it was a fun read, but there was also like, there was a lot in there, you know, we're talking about like hidden disabilities and, you know, different character dynamics. Um, And I, and I did appreciate too, that you were touching on a lot of 
very kind of current topical type issues, you know, because there was a lot of of little mentions of, I don't know, kind of, at least to me, it smacked a little bit of current political issues and things like that. And it was nice because you could really get into it and relate to it. Um, I actually drafted the first draft of this book between um, 2015 and 2017. So, you know, of course, like the political landscape and my community's reactions to it were something that was really impossible to ignore. But also, like, I was inspired by a lot of the activism and courage and just dedication to making a better world that a lot of the people around me showed. Um, so that was very much, you know, something that came through in the work. Which event was it? There was a lot going on in 2017. Oh, um, like specifically the yeah. election. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of what I was uh, picking up on. There was, I think definitely a lot of things that, or there was definitely things that a lot of us felt at that time and still kind of now because a lot of that's still resonating. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, it, yes, I definitely picked that up, especially with the immigration issues and then the everything becoming more insular with people isolationist. Um, and we were also sad. <laughs> uh, yeah. Everybody was so depressed the next day. It was just yeah. awful. It was awful. Um, but yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, also like touching on like religion, which can be kind of taboo and in, in books especially well i think like fantasy and sci-fi like you know it, it seems to be an easier platform to talk about those things for some reason but i think a lot of um more touchy subjects it seems like fantasy and sci-fi fantasy especially makes it easier to talk about but i appreciated that like sariva and even uh, edwin having these discussions and in the inner monologues um with the religious issues because as someone not of a particularly like dominant religion it's kind of nice to see these discussions happen in literature thank yeah. you um i really appreciate that that resonated with you um that was a really personal aspect of the book um because it's something that i've dealt a lot with myself yeah i um actually know that person <laughs> i know edwin uh in that context uh, I have a friend who converted to Islam when she was 13. Oh, wow. She was just super smart. And, and she said, I studied all the world's religion. And it came, this, she, her parents were atheists and she just felt a pull towards something. And then she, so she researched everything and this is what I want to be. And so I saw her and Edwin. Edwin's like not wanting to co-opt a culture as much as find, access her spirituality and, uh, and yeah. that does happen where there are people who are genuine about searching their faith. So I'd like that dialogue that she, um, Edwin has with Sariva about, you know, she's like, oh, well, if I had known you were a Northerner and she's like, no, that's, that was the wrong reaction. And uh, I'm not sure Sariva ever got that quite bit, mm -hmm. but, but yeah. Um, so I, I saw a lot of, uh, of that in there. Um, saw a lot of the Palestinian conflict in there too, or I felt like it, you know, occupation and stuff like that. So um, you're definitely in touch with a lot of things. Um, Thank you. It's pretty cool. It's, it's very cool. Um, yeah, what, let's go back to that question. The uh, 
how do you hope this will inspire other people like yourself? Oh, mm. I, as a, I feel like I, as a disabled person have like, you know, the typical difficult relationship with the term inspirational. Late activist Stella Young in her um, 2014 Ted Sydney speech said like, um, for lots of us, disabled people are not real people. We are there to inspire. We've oh, been sold yeah. the lie that disability is a bad thing and to live with a disability makes you exceptional. And these images objectify disabled people for the benefit of non-disabled people. Yeah. <laughs> so I hate being called inspirational. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know that I meant it that way. So let's try this. Uh, no. Uh, no, no I think problem. I meant, Sorry. What do you, what do you think? people that are queer with disabilities, like, like us, um, somebody like myself, what do you hope I would take from the book? Yeah, well, for a scheme of sorcery, you know, because of the times I was drafting it and how I was becoming more aware of the political situation and the struggle of the activists around me, I would say that I really wanted to create a hopeful book that inspired people to you know, maybe keep fighting, but also to take care of themselves and get in touch with their emotions. Like, this might be a bit of a spoiler, but there's a character who's like, you know, I am so tired of activism. I'm so tired of working. The world never seems to get any better. And there are so many people who aren't doing anything. And another character tells them, you know, it's not up to you to fix the entire world by yourself. Like, yeah all you have to do is show up and do what you can do. So that's what I would really love for people to take away from the book. I loved that part of the book. Yeah, yeah, same here. You don't have to be super, super woman or super person. You, um, and uh, I grew up, my mom is, was an amputee, is severely disabled. I mean, like her leg was gone. Um, oh yeah, that's tough. The high one. Well, it, but she was just, she lived through it and she was doing just fine and she's just a human being but i i think a lot of people saw that oh you know that what you were talking yes. about disability porn almost you know it's like oh yeah. that's great we don't expect much of you i mean when you say that oh that's so that's so great that you can do this that and the other thing well most people with disabilities can do a lot of things they have to work around them and find mm -hmm. way different ways of doing them but, um, and there's things, of course, people can't do, but I think she got annoyed by it because she felt like that's not all who I am. Um, and that, so and then she grew up pretty poor in uh, Jonesboro, Arkansas, and, and people would view her with that lens. Is that, that's not all that I am. I, I, you know, I'm this multifaceted person. The, you know, I've had people tell me, oh, like, you're so inspirational for finishing and publishing this work. And I'm like, I literally sit at home on the computer. Um, this is just my hobby that I do for fun. Like, yeah. why are you inspired just because, you know, I have knee problems? Yeah, that's a, that's a tricky word. It can mean, you know, inspire like how what do you mean because I'm disabled yeah because that's just rude or inspire because hey I'm putting something out there that may lift somebody's hopes you know that's and get them to do something there's two different words yes exactly like I would yeah. love like my goal is really just to be seen for like my craft as a writer and not for necessarily like 
the fact that my shoulders pop out sometimes. Yeah, that's fun. It's the elbows for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just made elbows. And I can snap um, but I also do write a lot of disabled characters, yeah. although um, this work doesn't have disabled protagonists. A lot of my other stuff does. And I would be super down to talk about that. Yes. Um, let's go ahead. Yeah. Pick something. Go ahead. Yeah. Talk yeah, yeah. Um, so hang on, let me just pull up um, the notes for another in- interview I did where I talked about this topic a bit more. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're down for anything. Um, so in my book, Rescued by the Married Monster Hunters, um, there are three main characters and they're in a bisexual throuple and they're all disabled in some way. Oh, wow. Yeah, and they're part of like this whole community of a school for monster hunters that takes in disabled children and teenagers. Oh, cool. Oh, wow. That sounds interesting. That sounds Yeah, I just thought it would be really cool to like show a disabled community and have disabled people like in a relationship supporting each other. Yeah, definitely. That's um, kind of what we do in our queer communities, you know, we support each other. Good, good communities. Yeah, that. That sort of visibility, I mean, we need to definitely see more of it because community right now, I think we need it more than ever. And the different communities need to realize, I think, how much overlap there really is. So the more we see more positive views of it, I think we'll be better off altogether. Oh, I'm going to bring it back to the book. I'm going to bring it back to the book. Um, Go ahead. uh, after what Mick just said, but you know, it's the queer community is, um, it's like Sariva and Edwin. They're it's like, you guys have so much in common, just stop fighting and, and you could do more together. That's so true. You know, um, oh, okay. That was a cool, I didn't even see that part. Those two can represent the whole queer community. Isn't that cool? Yeah. <laughs> and they definitely, I definitely took a lot of inspiration from like, the way that people sometimes argue with each other, even when they have like, you know, marginalizations in common and they're fighting for the same cause, just because like when you feel powerless and you don't have an outlet for your emotions, it's easy to get angry at those close to you. Yeah. 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 And when you don't understand things, you know, so, yeah. and there's, we are different um, in each of the little letters in the alphabet soup. We're all different and we, all but we all bring something different to the table it's and uh i think when people have been in you know it's just been gay for so long that it's a challenge and it's true in life about anything you know just because it's been this way for so long just because somebody wants to change it or has needs other than what we recognize as needs doesn't mean they're a challenge to to us that means okay how do we work this out together and uh i think the two characters do that i think sariva they were challenging each other's ideas yeah. of what what a woman should be and uh they it it wasn't you know if they would have just let it go as a challenge it, it's not a challenge and seeing it as something that is beneficial to um help each other um that they could get further on uh but then there wouldn't have been a story because they would have been <laughs> <right on. laughs> uh, anyway i i do like that you you do st- I don't know that you know you're sneaking stuff in, but there's just a lot Ooh. of good stuff in there. But you're sneaking stuff. Maybe it's coming subconsciously. I don't know. But, Thank um, you. Yeah, I'm not a. I, it, I like to write. I don't write novels oh. though. So um, 
I'm more the essay type because that's my attention span. But, oh, uh, essays yeah. are so hard. They're so really. I think novels are hard. Um, my people that I'm working with are like, oh, you know, you should write some essays that you can have published to promote the book. And I'm like, you want me to talk about myself without oh, talking about yourself as a fictional character? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Talk yeah, about yourself I, uh, is always hard. Yeah, I, I've thought about doing essays and it's like, no, that's, I'll, I'll stick to just making stuff up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I used to be good at that. I used to be make, able to do that. I think school ruined me somehow with being able to write fiction stuff oh, yeah. just so easily. You know, I didn't. Yeah, we all, I mean, I think, especially when it comes to creativity, it's not so much phases. You just go through different you know, stages and certain things strike at that stage. Yeah. And again, my attention span for world building is it's difficult to world build mm. uh, when you have the attention span of an ad. <laughs> so, cause you really have to be consistent. And I think that's where I lose it. Um, I'm sure I could take some or get into a creative writing group and that would be, make things oh, better. So actually you only have to be consistent when you're revising. Oh, good point. When you're writing the first draft, you can do whatever you want. Um, Edwin's name was Annie for about half of the first draft, just because that was easier for my speech to text software. Oh, nice. you were talking. So you use, what is your process? Now I've got to ask you about your process. So you use speech to text software? Um, yes. Um, so I have, <laughs> it's honestly a bizarre process, but it works for me. Um, I write primarily out of order by talking into the notes app on my phone. And then when I have all the different scenes, I figure out, you know, what, which ones I want to keep in and what I want to happen in the book. And then I sort of just put them together like a puzzle. Oh, wow. nice. How do you do nice. it, Nick? Um, well, I, it's kind of like, I don't do the, the speech to text, but it's somewhat similar. Um, I write semi in order. A lot of it's, you know, if I come up with a scene, I'll write that scene and it could be near the end. It could be at the beginning. And then the the main body is kind of in order. And then I, I put the bits and pieces in where I need to. Um, so it's a little bit of both. This is mind blowing to me. You don't have to write in order. This is why nope. I have just, I've just always seen it as like too big of a overwhelming, get overwhelmed yep. easily by the idea of it. Because oh yeah. yeah. Um, I also recommend maybe starting with like a short story or a novella instead of like, oh, I'm gonna you know write a novel. It's a short story, even that's like so intimidating to me, and I don't. You, but you, now that I know, I can do things out of order. Oh yeah. <laughs> just, you know. Go for it. Yeah, and just the biggest revelation for that. me. Biggest revelation for me was when I found out that your first draft is supposed to be an absolute horror show. Oh, like yeah. it's supposed to yeah. be a mess. Yeah. And I found out, oh, okay, well, that makes things easier because I can just clean it up later. Yeah. And that's how I do my essays. You know, I'll do rough draft and I'll just put out my thoughts, but usually they're in a logical order. But um, it didn't occur to me that I could just go out of order. Why okay, is that? Go. I feel so silly. <laughs> yeah, it's not really something that I've heard brought up a lot. Yeah, I I guess I think I, you know, have that mindset that I'm still being graded or something, you know, oh, like, no. I, yeah, it's like, oh, I spent too much time in school. Thank you guys. That was helpful. Hey, no, no problem. No. Anything we can do to help. Yeah, thank you. I love helping people with writing. Yeah. Um, I actually do freelance editing and sensitivity reading. 
Oh, oh nice. Cool. Very cool. Uh, how do you like the sensitivity reading? Does it get depressing oh my God. sometimes? It's, or? So, mm, it's honestly, most of the time, it's so fun because I get to tell a writer how they can make their work better and more specific and think more deeply about the characters, but like specifically about disability or gender identity. Oh, wow. Wow. Cool. That's awesome. Um, and then, you know, sometimes it's authors don't always necessarily do their research, um, but then I appreciate the opportunity to educate people and to maybe like prevent other people from having to read content that they might find upsetting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I, I've, there's quite a bit of content that's upsetting. I don't mind it if it's going somewhere. Um, but if it's just there to be gratuitous, then it's like, why, why, why would you do that? Just, um, you can find another way to tell that story without being, you know, the gratuitous rape scene, for example, it's like, oh like, yeah. 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 So, um, I think we are to the point where we find out where people can buy your work and if you have any upcoming events or projects going on. Yeah, um, so my publisher's website is ninestarpress.com. Um, my website is ennisrookbash.com. And you can also find my work um, by typing in a scheme of sorcery or just my name, wherever ebooks are sold, um, including, I think, actually your library, which a lot of my work is there. And I'm very happy about it. Oh, cool. That's cool. Do you have any um, upcoming events or anything? Oh, um, not upcoming events, but I do have um, an interview in Gaming Magazine, which is oh, like, cool. it's spelled like a combination of gay and gaming. Oh, so gay oh, and nice. yeah. Yeah. Um, And I have a lot of projects I'm working on, but they're still in the draft stage. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, hopefully cool. we'll see some more of your, your stuff soon. Oh, yeah. Thanks. No, no pressure. Fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, is there anything else we may have missed that you want to talk about? <laughs> oh, um, I am working on a bo book about um, queer people dealing with both the metaphorical demons of depression and the literal demons that come out of the sky and eat people with the help of magical talking cats. I love cats. Oh, I like that. Thank like you. That. I have a rescue cat. His name is Peanut. Um, he's the love of my life, and he hates everybody except me. Oh, <laughs> that was my cat before I, uh, yeah, uh, she hated everybody Actually, but me. I, I just saw your dog a few moments oh, ago. Yeah, she, she, like, she loves her too. Times. Oh, that's yeah. a little baby. Yeah, she's she's a pointer. Very good dog. And yeah, she is. She wants me to take her to the dog park, but it's a Really messy, gross, rainy day today. Oh. So I'm having to just no honey. But yeah. <laughs> yes. I you know, I really do enjoy that your work it brings so much um to the forefront. And so I'm you know, depression is a flying demon and I mad cats are magic, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Thank you. I think so too. Yes, I agree with both of those. It's so metaphorical. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 been great having you. Um, Ennis Rookbash, thank you for joining us again. Um, and the book is A Scheme of Sorcery. And they, it, you can get it. Guys, independent booksellers, awesome places. Um, and libraries and everything else. Uh, 
we actually just uh, my publisher actually just released a print version I think it's print on demand I'm not sure how you get it but I would love to see it in the wild oh yes definitely um uh, oh, that's got to be a cool thing right stumble upon somebody reading your book awesome that's <laughs> there's, there's an ego lift right there um right. Mick thank you again of course, Always. my co-host, and I'm Elizabeth Meacham. Remember, there's a whole Bi-Plus universe ready to embrace you. Reach out and find your community.